So it was Christmas time. And Jimmy and Johnny, they were twins, six years old. They were pretty excited about Christmas. Actually, Johnny was a little more excited than Jimmy because Johnny was an optimist. He always thought whatever he, he would dream up, he was going to get from Santa Claus. Santa Claus always came through for Johnny. But Jimmy, eh, he was a little different. He saw things a little more negatively. He was very artistic, and he just wanted this time this glass menagerie. And he saw it in a window at a department store, and he dreamed of having it, but he wouldn't dare tell anybody because he was worried if he didn't get it, he would just be bummed out the whole time. And so he kept it quiet. And, of course, Johnny just kept telling everybody he wanted a horse because that's what he wanted. He wanted a live horse, a pony for Christmas. And so Christmas morning came, and the tradition was that uh, they would come down for breakfast and then Santa Claus would have the gifts up in their rooms. And so Johnny ran up to their room, and the parents followed him. And Johnny got in the room, and the whole room was full of horse poop. Can you believe it? I mean, just covered in horse poop. But Johnny, he was so excited, he just kept throwing it up in the air and going, Merry Christmas, rolling in it. And then they went to Jimmy's room, and Jimmy had a glass menagerie hand and he was bawling his eyes out and they went up to Jimmy and said why are you so sad because I just I just know tomorrow I'm gonna break it and then I'm gonna feel terrible I don't know what to do with this thing then they went back to Johnny's room and they asked Johnny Johnny why are you so happy and he said well there's just got to be a pony underneath all this this horse poop i mean come on this is going to be the best christmas ever um i have good news for you and bad news for you today just kind of like this story um i want to tell you a little bit about our human brains um the human brain you see there's some good news about it it is one of the most fascinating organs in all the world you know that. It processes information incredibly well at an incredible rate, and it does this, and here's the good news and the bad news. It does it by putting things into categories. The human brain looks at whatever it's seeing, and the number one thing it looks at is fear. And so if it's something that's going to harm you, immediately the human brain will do whatever it does it can to protect you. But if it's not harmful, it's got a whole different category of how to handle something that's not harmful. It has to categorize things in order to kind of take care of all this information. It's a giant filing system. It operates and is effective when it puts things in a category. He, she, they. Categories, right? Um, black, white. Categories. Hispanic, Asian. Categories, cougs, dogs, categories, right? Um, <clears throat> attractive to me, eh, not so attractive. Um, a Disney Zombies fan or a Roald Dahl, James the Giant Peach fan. You know, we put everybody in categories. This ability to categorize things into files, it's just vital to our human survival. And that's why... When our toddler, who's just learning, um, when it says 
like a word like chair and points to a chair and then points to another chair and says chair, we get super excited because that's a vital thing for a little child to do. Little Cindy Lou Who is going to be a pretty successful if she can work and define by category. But, now here comes the bad news. Enter iPads, iPhones, all the channels on TV, um, like NPR. Anybody listen to NPR radio anymore? I don't know if anybody does, but I do. But I don't just listen to NPR anymore. I listen to all the other news channels sometimes, and I also have podcasts. I don't know how many different podcasts you listen to, but I've got 37 that I kind of keep track of, you know? So we've got a lot of information coming at us. And sometimes that's really cool. Like yesterday, I was reading my emails, and on my phone, I have all these news things popping up. I should try to get some of them turned off, but there was something really cool that popped up. There was a Geminus meteor shower. Anybody get to read about this? Um, it, it was supposed to happen at between 1 to 2 a.m. on Thursday morning. And, and get this. If it was clear out, which it's not very often in Washington, but if it would have been clear between 1 to 2 a.m. on Thursday morning, you would be able to witness 120 shooting stars in an hour. Imagine that. 120 of them. I mean, I've only seen maybe four in my lifetime, right? In a way, that's kind of what's happening to us right now. It's, we're, we're experiencing a meeting, meteor shower of information. We used to get about four falling stars in a lifetime, but now we get like 120 an hour. We get so much information. And here's the bad news. Our brains can't handle it. It just can't. We are in information overload. Our whole society is, is dealing with this. Our brains just can't handle all this stuff coming at us. And what does that happen? What happens to us when we get that? A couple of things. Sometimes our brain paralyzes. It just freezes. We become unable to deal with a topic or an issue because it's more complex than we're able to manage, right? I wonder if that's happening to you at all in this world today, in our political world. It just seems like we get paralyzed sometimes. Second thing that happens, we get ticked off. We get angry. Is this world angry right now? Eh, take a look. Everybody's mad. If the information we receive doesn't fit the way we think or feel, we become angry about having feelings challenged and beliefs challenged. I'm guessing you've been there. I have. And number three, sometimes we just we get passive. We just turn off our caring switch. I think they call that compassion fatigue and it happens right one of the major ways we cope with this overload though is our categories become more rigid we draw we build taller walls um, our categories um, we draw draw the lines tighter and tighter because gray things in between things middle things things that you know, don't have definition, that's just too much to process. And as a result, we get, in our world today, a huge divide between Republican 
No longer, by the way, are Republicans a continuum between right and moderate. They're just way right, right? Or Democrats, no longer are they a continuum between the left and the moderate. They're just way over there. They're just way left. And in between, there's just absolutely no compromise. That's what our legislature's going on right now, right? No compromise. And so instead of categories and groups, which we need, we get a world full of silos, just individual silos, um, little intense radical groups that are so defined that they will just not play ball with anyone else. I mean, I find this more and more in my work and in all of our works. I think we just find people just aren't willing to work with anybody who have a different opinion. And here's the bad news. It's kicking us, man. It's killing us. We're in trouble. Republicans can't sit down with Democrats. Men can't sit down with women. White folks can't sit down with black folks. On and on and on and on and on and on it goes. It happens, and Vivica, you know this, in religion a lot, right? Between religions. Um, But also sometimes within individual religions, like within Christianity. We don't have just one surface like we do here. We have one worship service. In a lot of churches, it's like a movie theater. You go there, and there's, there's like nine different worship services. And each service is meant for a different group of people. This one over here is for 19 to 29-year-olds. This one here is for young families. This one here is for retired folks. On and on it goes. Um, um, and they're just geared. And, and that's cool in some ways because you get fed big time by going there. But you never really get challenged because you don't have any other ages around you, right? There's no diversity. Now, we intentionally here at Bear Creek are not like that. I I think you might have noticed, but we try to have kind of what I call a family reunion model here of worship. Um, If you've noticed, I think we have at least some good diversity of age in our church. And that's intentional. Eli, for instance, he's, he's working over there, but Eli loves to come to church here because he kind of likes to sit by Ted and Marge. So that's a big part of his life. He, he loves that, and I love that he loves that. And by the way, we had a baby shower uh, last week, right, for, for Anna, little baby Anna and Matthew and Emily. And who put that on? Sonia put it on. Sonia's not that age she's just a tad older but i mean so wasn't that cool i mean that's what we're talking about right problem is though is that our culture is not like that it has taught us to categorize and one of the ways we put people in categories is age and that can be kind of difficult sometimes if we can only be friends with 55 to 60-year-olds, if we're 57, that eliminates a lot of people. If we look at someone and see them as an 82-year-old and we're 17, I can tell you what happens right away. We walk right by them. We don't even see them, right? Because they don't matter in our world. They're not in our parallel universe. 
what do we do? How do we deal with this? By the way, my son, uh, uh, Wes, who's 30 years old now, after college, he really struggled with the real world, so to speak. And part of that was he didn't have 2,300 kids his age or adults his age hanging around him. When he got out into the working world, those college students were gone. And he had to deal with a variety of folks. And I think a lot of it was he was just plain old lonely. He couldn't seem to find a way to connect to that age group. Well, what's interesting about Wes is he's kind of finding a new way of doing things. And one of the things he started to do is he goes down to this business breakfast in Renton, South Dakota, or not South Dakota, in Washington, Renton, Washington. Um, sorry, I'm back in South Dakota here. Um, but he goes back, he goes down there twice, two mornings, and he goes to this big breakfast. And he's got all sorts of friends he's talking to now. And guess what? None of them are 30. <laughs> some of them are 50, some of them 60, some 40. I mean, he's got just this, he's started to break out of that silo. And it's been just so healthy for him. And that's one of the reasons I just love this story we have today. Because here it is in our Christmas story, in our Advent story, right? Mary and Elizabeth, they don't belong together. I mean, Mary's 15, 16. Elizabeth, older than the hills, so to speak. And, and here they are. They come together and magically they find something they have in common. And it's not just a baby. It's a calling. It's what they're carrying and whose they are carrying. It's that calling. And that brings them together. And isn't it so fun to listen to this story and watch how they leap together and they have fun? You can just imagine them just sharing all these little stories about their uh, who they're carrying and the excitement of all this. Cindy and I were, when we were first married, Cindy was 20, by the way, and I was 22. We were pretty young. And Cindy was expecting pretty early in our marriage. I won't tell you how early. Um, but pretty early. <laughs> no, they're, they're really, it was, no, no, I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> we, we, had, we had a baby within the first year, but... Um, oh, well. Oh, well. How, how did that come out? Uh, wipe that out. Anyway. Anyway, she, she was expecting. And I will just say this. I was just started teaching. Uh, here, forget that. Okay. All right. Um, anybody got a place to stay tonight? <laughs> um, but I was teaching, too. It was my first year teaching. And I was doing K through 12 music. Uh, and it was band and choir. I was doing, like, the whole caboodle here and talk about overwhelmed we were both just barely getting by i mean we didn't have a lot of money we we're struggling with that cindy was uh, had morning sickness and i don't know why they call it morning sickness because man morning was all day long sometimes on this thing and i remember one night it was right around christmas time it was snowing in south dakota a little small town that we were living in and we were just so overwhelmed. I just said, why don't we just go take a walk? And so we took a walk. And I will just be honest with you. I think we were both about ready to pull over to the side of the road. We just had had it. We were overwhelmed, tired, just 
couldn't figure out how we were going to get through. And uh, as we were walking down one of the little streets of Hudson, South Dakota, there was only about four of them, um, there was an older woman who came out in her porch. I mean, this was like 9 o'clock. And just kind of waved at us. And Cindy said, who is that? And I said, well, I think it's maybe Mrs. Ferris. And she said, who's Mrs. Ferris? And I said, oh, she's helping me accompany um, our our Christmas program. So she's playing the piano for me. And uh, she kept waving, and I I went the other way, to be honest, because I thought, oh, my gosh, the rehearsal we had had that day was just horrible. Kids were crazy. Uh, And I thought, the last thing I need is Mrs. Ferris telling me how I should operate. You know, I did not want her opinions. And so I went the other way, but she kept waving, hey, come over here. And so finally, we turned, and we went over to Mrs. Ferris, and There she was, and she said, come on in. I want you to come in. I've got some tea for you. Now, I don't know if any of you remember the old tea sets back in the day that some people would have. Well, she had the whole kitten caboodle tea set that she brought out. Is it crystal or china? China, perhaps. But anyway, so she brought it out, and she was so excited to have us, and she gave us cookies. And I just have to say, they were not good. They were... (laughs) They were, about, they were about 10 days old. They were, ugh, they were not good. But we ate them. We dipped them in the coffee and the tea. And, um, and we talked and we talked. And she started to talk about how she had lost her son four years before. And she, you know, was real vulnerable. And she shared what was going on in her, her life. And because she was vulnerable, Cindy started sharing what was going on in her life. I started sharing what was going on in my life. And from that day on, about every other night, we found ourselves over at Mrs. Ferris's house. Cindy, by the way, started packing some cookies in her pocket just so that we'd have some good ones. But it became just a place where we could share both our joys and our fears. It became a part of our home. And without that, those times with Mrs. Ferris, I'm not sure we would have made it through those years in Hudson, South Dakota. This last week, um, Cindy and I were helping Emerson make some cookies, and we we were making sugar cookies and decorating them for Anna and Harry, and uh, we're going to take those over there um, this week, and uh, I want you to think about how maybe you could be a part of this Christmas spirit of Elizabeth and Mary. Who's an Elizabeth or a Mary? that you might be able to bring cookies to or knock on their door and, and uh, break bread with? Who, who could you maybe, uh, you know, break out of your silo for, for just a little bit here during the Christmas season and, and reach across the age gap that we have? We can make friends, can't we? And by making those friends, we receive so much, such a gift. Let's be Christmas people. And all the people said, Thank you.